Attention! This makes absolutely no sense. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Sanders Facts. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome into the latest edition of the Xander's Facts Podcast. I am, of course, the aforementioned Xander, and this is episode 92 of the podcast here on Wednesday, February 1st, the first day of February in 2023. Thank you all so much for listening. We say every week that it is a big episode of the Xander's Facts Podcast, but has there been a bigger episode to date? Of the Zaders Facts podcast than this one. Nope. Because it is the first day, first week of February. And two years ago, on February 3rd, 2021, you may remember what happened that day. It was the launch of the first episode of the Zaders Facts podcast. So this week, we are celebrating the two-year anniversary of the Xander's Facts Podcast. How about that? Wow! I can't believe it! We did it! Absolutely incredible. Congratulations! I mean, we have done this podcast for two years. This is the 92nd episode. That is remarkable. And it's all thanks, not just for Xander and all his facts, but to you, the listeners, who every single week listen to this podcast, or maybe you just download, or maybe you do both, you download the podcast, you listen, you share it with all your friends, we call it Spreading the Facts. It's all thanks to you all that we have done two years of the Xander's Facts podcast, and we're not done. This is not the final episode of the podcast. We are still rolling every single week with brand new episodes and more facts, and that's going to keep coming in 2023, because we're entering our third year of Xander's Facts. And I know what y'all are thinking. Because two years ago, we launched the podcast, and then in February of last year, for our one-year anniversary, we launched Xander's Weekend Facts. And by the way, the 52nd edition is coming up this Sunday, which you should go check out. Link in the episode description. So, last two years, beginning of February, we've launched the podcast, and we've launched the newsletter. So you would think that now... In 2023, after we did stuff in 2022 and 2021, I would announce something else big. Duh. And, you know, you would wish, you would think that, but no, sadly, I don't really have anything else to announce. I can tell you that we've got other stuff cooking. We got some facts cooking in the kitchen, but anything to announce right now, not really. Do better. I know, I'm sorry, but we got a lot of facts that we are still churning out every single week. But we've still got some plans for other things down the line. So you're definitely going to want to keep a lookout, keep an ear out for more facts from Xander's Facts because they are coming in 2023. So just remember to keep your eye, keep your ears on the facts because they are coming. Episode 92 of the podcast this week, our two-year anniversary. It's a big celebratory podcast. So I've got a big topic to talk about with you all. Two big topics, actually. And we're going to talk about them in just a second. But before we get to our facts, I just thought that I would remind you all, you all know this, we've been doing this for two years now, that if you like the Zaders Facts podcast, if this is your first time listening and you think you're going to like all the facts, first off, welcome. Second off, we talk about new facts every single week. Zaders Facts podcast does not stick to one topic week after week after week. 
except for the World Cup, but that was a major exception. But every single week, we've got new facts. So if you don't like the facts this week, you might like them next week. The week after, we do so many facts, different facts every single week. So make sure to listen every single week. Keep up on the facts grind. And that means following the podcast, downloading this episode and all the episodes, but this episode, episode 92 especially, and rating and reviewing the podcast, of course. And checking out all our socials, we're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Xander's Facts, that is Xander with a Z. And remember, most importantly, to tell all your friends, spread the facts, Xander's Facts Podcast. Tell all your friends about the podcast, about Xander's Weekend Facts. That's our aforementioned newsletter that comes out every Sunday morning. It's free. Episode subscription has a special link. Check it out. You can check out the Xander's Facts link tree because that has all the Xander's Facts links that you need for the socials, for the podcast, for the weekend facts, and for the Xander's Facts website, xandersfacts.com, which includes the exclusive home of some Xander's Facts swag, the Xander's Facts shop. Check out xandersfacts.com because we got some good stuff on there. You're going to want to check out xandersfacts.com. So there you go with the shilling. So now let's get to our big topic this week, because it is our two-year anniversary, and usually when it's an anniversary or a celebration of a birthday or something, you look backwards, and you look at all the stuff you've done previously. But this week, we're not going to do that. We're going to look forwards to the future, and we're going to do it in a new reality, if you get what I'm saying, because this week, we are talking about a future with new realities. That sounds pretty cool. So, to start all this off, you might have been around back in the day when personal computers and laptops basically changed the world. They were the big, the next big thing in technology. Oh my gosh, I have my own computer and I can search the internet and stuff. And then more of you were probably around when smartphones changed the world in the late 2000s and the early 2010s. So, smartphones are now the dominant technology in our lives. I'm holding my phone in my hand right now. We have them in our hands and we're looking at them 24-7. But just like laptops and computers, which we still use, by the way, all the time, but they've been replaced in their popularity by smartphones, smartphones are going to be the most popular thing forever. Are you sure? Right? You would think because we have these cycles. So what is the next technology going to be? Well, we're going to spend our segment this week talking about what I believe to be one candidate and probably the best candidate for that position of what the next big technology is going to be. This week, we are talking about AR and VR. What are you talking about? Augmented reality and virtual reality. You've probably heard of them and you may have even used them, but do you know what they are? Do you know what their capabilities are? And do you even know what the differences are between the two? Well, those are questions that we're going to be answering on this week's podcast. We are talking about AR and VR this week on the podcast as we look ahead to the future. So let's get to it. We're going to start by talking about AR, augmented reality. You've probably heard of it before, but you probably have no idea what it means. So. Augmented reality, usually just hear it as AR, is a technology that superimposes a computer-generated image on a user's view of the real world, thus providing a composite view. 
That's according to Oxford Languages, which is the definition you get from Google. But in simpler terms, you're basically overlaying something like an image or a character onto the real world. It's like adding something to the world that isn't actually there. Well, okay, Zader, we see this all the time on movies and TV shows and such. Like, have you ever seen how they do a weather report? They have a green screen. That stuff isn't actually there. Well, that's not what I'm talking about because that's something else. Those are computer image graphics. CGI is what it's called. Computer-generated images. We're talking about this going on in real time because I don't know if you remember this game from several years ago. It feels like a million years ago now. Pokemon Go. Pokemon Go to the polls. Pokemon Go to the polls! If you remember that, you could basically use your phone camera to see the Pokemon right in front of you on your phone screen. Like it was on the sidewalk in front of you on your phone screen, but it wasn't actually there. Well, I'm going to tell you this. That was probably the first interaction that you had with augmented reality. And you also know there's those apps that let you place a piece of furniture in a room that you take a picture of or that you're looking at with your camera on your phone, or you can change the paint color on a wall. That's augmented reality too. So technically, AR is not the future, since it's already here and we're using it. But we're really only experiencing its beginnings, and we'll get to those possibilities that it has in a second, because it's got some very exciting possibilities, more than just looking at Pokemon. Watch it, buddy! But we've also got something else that's not quite augmented reality or AR, but it kind of gets grouped in with it. It's commonly associated with it, and that's VR. virtual. Reality. You might know a bit more about virtual reality, but there are some key differences between AR and VR. So basically, VR is creating its own world or environment. So augmented reality is just adding on to the existing world. So for instance, AR, you have the Pokemon, you see the Pokemon on the sidewalk. In VR, you're in a Pokemon world. And you're probably saying, well, that's basically just a video game or a cartoon or whatever, and we've had those forever. That's CGI again. But we're not talking about just watching something or playing a game on a TV screen with a controller or whatever. We're talking about being immersed in that video game or in that new environment. Techopedia, which is a website, defines virtual reality as, quote, a technology that allows a user to carry out actions in a digital environment yet feel as if they are immersed in a physical environment, unquote. How about that? And we already have this too, just like AR. Have you ever heard of Oculus? You probably have, even though it's not a thing anymore, because now Oculus, which has those headset thingies that you put on, it was bought by Facebook. And then Facebook changed its name to Meta. So now it's Meta. And the headset that you might have, or a lot of people have, and you've probably seen before, the commercials is called the Meta Quest. And this is basically a headset that you put on over your head, over your eyes, and it basically immerses you in this other reality. Basically an imaginary world, because it's not actually real. It's not just this one TV screen. It's you're looking up, you're looking down, you're looking 360 view, is you're looking at this totally different world. Like, if you've ever done it, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't, you're kind of like, what What are you talking about, Zeta? You just have to, it's kind of a thing you have to experience. But once you do, you're like, okay. 
this is pretty cool. But Meta, because I know Meta and Facebook, you know, not the greatest in the world. They're not the only ones with headsets out there. There's one from HP, like the computers. There's one from HTC. There's one from Valve. There's one from Sony. There's a PlayStation VR. There's a Microsoft one called HoloLens. But Metas, the MetaQuests, are far and away the most popular on the market. And you're probably asking, if you've never done one before, Xander, what exactly do you do on these headsets? Good question. Well, you can play games like Beat Saber. Like, last, I'm recording this Tuesday night, so Monday night, last night, I put on the headset, because we have one here. If you say so. And I put it on, and I played Beat Saber, because I wanted to, you know, talk about it on the podcast here. And so Beat Saber is basically this game where you're listening to music, and you have to use... It has these kind of, like, nunchuck holder thingies, like controllers in both hands that you have to hold. And in this game, you have to use those to swipe up, down, left, right at a block that is floating towards you. And you have to do it in rhythm with the song that you're listening to, with both hands, usually. I think there's a one-hand mode, but in both hands. And basically, you're immersed. This is the only thing you can see. And it has these speakers on it, too, which make it feel like the music is all around you, too, wherever you're standing. Like, it's totally immersive. You can play games like Beat Saber. You can do an actual workout on an app. There's an app called Supernatural. You can work out and you can actually sweat. They have boxing and stuff. They have rec room. You could play a ton of sports on there. You could watch movies and TV shows on something like Netflix. Like, you can actually... I mean, this is kind of, you probably think it's lame, but you can sit in like this theater thing and look at a, you know, flat screen and watch Netflix or whatever. But they also have things where you're in it. So they have a meta for the Quest has a partnership with the NBA. And so you put on the headset and you can watch a game, an NBA game, and you're literally courtside at the game. And you turn, and it's not just the screen because you're looking at the game and you turn around and there's a ton of fans behind you. And the sound is coming from all around. So you feel like you're in the arena. It looks like you're in the arena. Like it's actually pretty crazy. If you're an NBA fan, which we talk about on this podcast too, you could ride a roller coaster. There's an app that has famous roller coasters that you ride, which might actually get you nauseous, like I got one time. You can interact with other people. This is what Meta, Facebook, has tried to do a lot, is build this virtual community. And there's a lot more that you can do. There's a ton of things you can do on these. It's actually insane. Once you put it on for the first time, it's incredible. It really feels like the future once you put it on. Like, you're in a whole nother world. And the exciting thing is, these could just be the beginning for both of these technologies, VR and AR. VR. We basic, I basically just raved about all this stuff, but AR might be the more exciting of the two in terms of the future it has, and which I'll get to in a second. But I wanted to take a little trip down memory lane. I hope you'll do that with me, because it's going to prove my point. Debatable. We're going to go back to ancient times, 1973. Motorola, which is a company you've probably heard of, created the first handheld mobile phone didn't have a cord amazing incredible i mean wow in 1992 almost 20 years later the first smartphone was invented 
by IBM, and in 94, it began selling commercially. The IBM Simon, as it was called, could obviously make phone calls, but it also had this thing called a touchscreen. It could send and receive emails. It had a calendar. It had an address book, and it had a notepad. Revolutionary. And it was at the time, but not a lot of people had it. But in the 15 years or so since the IBM Simon, cell phones obviously became more and more popular. The first camera phone came in 2000. You could access the internet on a phone the next year. And by the mid-2000s, it's likely that you probably had a BlackBerry or a flip phone because those were all the rage back in the day. Sandra was a little too young for that, but it was all the rage back in the day. The smartphone market was big. I mean, everybody had a phone that just you could get out of your pocket. Easy peasy. But there was still room for improvement for the smartphone market. So now we go to more recent times, 2007. There was a man who took the stage in San Francisco, decked out in his infamous black turtleneck and jeans, whose name was Steve Jobs, to unveil a device that he called a revolutionary and magical product that is literally five years ahead of any other mobile phone. At the time, he was pretty right. The iPhone was born. And looking back at it, it truly did revolutionize our world, if you think about it. But it, of course, had its detractors at the time. People saying, why do I want a phone with that's just a screen and there's only like one button or two buttons on it? That's ridiculous. Where's my, where's my keyboard? I just need a phone that can make phone calls. That's it. I don't need to get an app. I don't need to go on the internet. That's what a computer is for. Disrespectful! People thought all that. People thought it would fail. But as we know, that was not the case. And let me tell you all, the first iPhone, you know, it wasn't that great. It didn't have the app store for over a year after it launched. Like, we take a look at the phones we have now. I'm holding this phone I got like a year and a half ago, the iPhone compared to the first iPhone, and there's a total, there's a huge difference. Like, for instance, the second iPhone was the first to come with 3G internet speeds. The first iPhone didn't even have 3G. And 3G, now, if you get 3G on your phone, that's terrible. And it was priced at $500, which people at the time were like, are you crazy? And right now, in today's value, that's $712.23, if you look at the inflation calculator. That was crazy at the time. Of course, that's, you know, (laughs) not as expensive as some of the iPhones we have now. But still, people were like, $500 for a phone? But still, a lot of people bought it. Over a million units sold in the first year. By 2008, that was 11 million. And last year, it was estimated that over 2 billion, with a B, iPhones have been sold worldwide since it launched in 2007. You know? We couldn't imagine a world where desktop and laptop computers wouldn't be the most impactful technological item in our lives. And now, we can't imagine a world where our phones don't dominate our lives like they do. But I'm just going to tell y'all, there is going to be a time when something overtakes them. When our phones, these little big chunks, bricks, screens, just this all-screen thing, It doesn't dominate our lives anymore because it'll be something else. And it could just be augmented and virtual reality. 
Cool facts, bro. And I was just explaining those and what they do, and you probably said, Zader, I don't, okay, whatever, but, like, I can touch my phone, I can do whatever I want, you know. There's more things I can do with my phone than with augmented reality or the virtual reality headsets. And right now, that's true. But right now, we're also at the beginning phase of augmented and virtual reality, just like we were at the phase in the late 1990s and the early 2000s with the smartphones, because smartphones were starting to pop up all over the place. They were a pretty hot topic, and their technology was progressing, you know, at a steady pace. And then we have this revolution that is the iPhone, and then Apple has this big thing, and then Samsung has their phones, their Galaxy phones. And Microsoft had their Windows phones, I think. Yeah. Somehow, some way. And there's all the Android phones, and Google has their own phones now. And they're all still smartphones, but they're totally different from what we had in the late 90s and early 2000s. And right now, as we sit here in February now of 2023, we have virtual reality headsets. We have them, but some of them need to be connected to a computer to use. Or the PlayStation one, like, you actually need to plug it into a PlayStation to use it, so that's not the greatest. The most popular headset, as I said, is from Meta, the Quest, but, you know, you actually look at the resolution. The screen resolution isn't that great. It's limited in what it could do, and at least for me, if you wear it for longer than just a few minutes, it gets uncomfortable, and that's, you know, looking online, that's the case for a lot of people. It gets uncomfortable. Like, those things are kind of heavy on your head and on your face especially when you have to adjust the head straps because the resolution it looks all blurry and you can't see anything and then it when it actually does look good it's smushing your face and then you take it off and you've got all these lines on your face oh not the greatest and you know meta does have a higher quality headset which is supposed to be better has better resolution better battery life all that stuff and you can get it for the low price of one thousand four hundred ninety nine dollars And then augmented reality is basically just limited to apps on our phones or presentations that we see on the TV right now. So it's easy to see right now why AR and VR have their detractors. Because current technology just isn't there to the point where this can be a product that, like, takes over our lives. Just like in the early 2000s, it wasn't there to have these big touchscreen phones like we have now, that can do all the stuff that ours can do that phones couldn't do 20 years ago. Like our phones, our cameras, we've got this, I guess my phone has this three camera set up on the back, and it can take 4K videos and super high quality photos, and like, could you imagine a phone doing that, you know, 5, 10, 15 years ago? And it could do so many other things too. Like we think about all the things our phones can do in just this one little rectangle, And none of us would have thought about this happening 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago. But technology has advanced and it's happened. So wouldn't you think that AR and VR technology is probably just going to keep getting better? Like, what if we were able to use a virtual reality headset like the MetaQuest that we have now, but it was better? We could essentially travel to new realities and do so for long periods of time. Like, what if I'm in the middle? of Mario World. I don't know if you've all seen this, but at Universal Studios, they just opened the Super Mario World, and it looks really cool, and I really want to go. But what if you were in that Super Mario World, 
and you could and it felt like it from the speakers and the ambiance and you could see it and you look around and you look up and down and side to side and behind you and in front of you and it looks and it feels like you're actually there right now we can do that but you know we know we're wearing this headset thing and it's you know it's heavy on our head and we can't really do it for long periods of time cuz the battery's going to die what if we could do that for long periods of time and because we have the comfort level and the battery life to be able to do that. What if we could actually ride the rides at Super Mario World and our headset would kind of like move around or whatever? Why would you do this to me? Like that's what we could do with virtual reality. That's just an example. But what if we were also able to just put on a simple pair of glasses? So kind of like the glasses you wear now, if you wear glasses, and have things pop up in the lens while we're walking down the street. So, for example, if I'm walking down Main Street in a town or in Manhattan or whatever, and I'm looking to go to dinner, and I'm wearing my super duper fancy AR glasses, and I look at this one restaurant, and I look at the name of it, and I look at the building, and on my glass lenses, so I can see it, and it looks like it's right on the building, pops up the Yelp review, or the Yelp rating, and the menu for the restaurant. Like, that's one example of what that could do. Or, you know, like, if we're driving and we put them on, navigation tools could be, like, out of the corner of our eye, so it wouldn't, you know, block the screen so we could still see the road. But the navigation tools could be, you know, right in the corner of our eye. We wouldn't have to move our eyes or move around and look at the screen that's in the center of the car and be like, where am I going? It could be right there. Or we could hold FaceTime-like calls using our glasses. So I could just, you know, I could see someone's calling me. I wouldn't even have to take them off my glasses, and I could click accept, and I can see them, and they can see me. And potentially not just, you know, the face, but like a full body version of FaceTime. Almost like a hologram, almost. Like those things you see in Star Wars. I find your lack of fate disturbing. Or, you know, ones where our reminders pop up or our Twitter feed pops up out of the corner of the screen and we can scroll through it while looking at other things. Or we could be, you know, turn on a sporting event like the U.S. men's national team. If you want to watch soccer and no one else wants to watch soccer, you can watch it on your lenses and you can still see your other surroundings but no one else could watch or maybe even hear it. Or you could scroll through the news or you could play a game, you know, whatever. Check your email, watch YouTube, bet on a game, like whatever. I mean, you know, real-time translation with someone who's speaking in a different language. And we could do all this, and I'm not talking about some big clunky device like the ones you see now, like the MetaQuest 2, which weighs about 500 grams, which could be uncomfortable on your face. It can also look weird and you wouldn't want to walk down the street with those. I'm just talking about like a simple pair of glasses like we have now. You could just put that on and you could instantly, you know, find information like we do with our phones. And you could have that information. You could also see the world around you. Well, that is sounds pretty cool. That would grab my attention. And that just isn't like some speculation about what our future could hold either. That's not like Flintstones level, oh, this might happen. No. It's probably going to happen because the biggest tech companies in the world are working on this technology, actually. In the last few months, rumors have begun to heat up that the biggest one of them all 
the one that actually launched the smartphone revolution, is about to jump in the game. We've got Meta, Facebook, who are using these, and that's doing all right. Microsoft's made them. Google's made them. And by them, I'm talking about VR headsets. But apparently, according to those who report on and follow Apple closely and like to give us all these leaks, which are sometimes true, sometimes they're not, but a lot of these people are saying that in the next year or so, apparently as early as March, Apple is going to unveil a brand new device that isn't a Mac, it's not a phone, it's not a smartwatch, it's not a tablet, it's not a pair of earbuds. Apparently, Apple is going to unveil an AR VR headset. AR slash VR, so it's actually mixed reality. So it's going to have augmented reality and virtual reality. How about that? And everybody's excited. Oh my gosh, I can't wait to get that. You know, screw meta. The thing is, though, that thing is going to cost rumored about $2,000 to $3,000. And now you're like, uh, you screwed that. And it's also expected to only last like two hours on battery life. And you'll need a battery pack attached to your waist, apparently. Like, once you learn about that, you're like, that's not that futuristic. But it's expected to be extremely powerful, like the most advanced headset we've seen yet on the market. It's expected to be able to track your hand and your eye movements and be able to generate, as I said, a full body image, a visualization, a hologram of yourself for things like FaceTime calls. That apparently is what it's going to have the power to do. And all that sounds pretty cool. And reports are that the machine is actually going to be targeted towards developers and such, and not general consumers like the MetaQuest is. And that a cheaper version is actually going to be launched in 2024, 2025. You know, one that's probably more developed and they've worked out the kinks and they can make it a lower price because the technology is obviously going to advance and it's going to get cheaper. So basically, if that's the case, then Apple probably isn't planning on this device becoming a major excess, but it's just one that gets its foot in the door with the companies that it's going to be competing with in the market, like Meta and Sony and Microsoft. Like Just like with the iPhone, Apple wasn't the first to make a smartphone, but they were the ones who a lot of people thought perfected it. They enhanced the market. That's basically what they're hoping to do with augmented reality and virtual reality. You know, they weren't the first ones with a tablet, but everybody loves the iPad. They weren't the first ones with a smartwatch, but everybody loves a smartwatch. They weren't the first ones with earbuds, but go around somewhere like a college campus and everybody is wearing AirPods. And so now they don't want to be the first on this. They want to be the ones that perfect it. So they want to be the ones that everybody says, oh my gosh, this one is the best. And that'll probably take some time because... They've got to develop the technology, and we might not, you know, it's probably not there yet for all this kind of stuff, but it's coming up fast. Get ready, y'all, because this is, you know, what I believe to be the next big thing. And I know that's not the most extensive collection of information on AR and VR, but I bet it does pique your interest. That's like, that could be pretty cool one day, all the things that it could do. Sure about that? You know, this is the type of technology that a lot of tech companies are betting the future on. like. Meta and Facebook. Facebook has not been doing too well, but that's, you know, a lot of other things are going on with Facebook who have basically, you know, gone all in on virtual reality. 
but there's a lot of companies who are investing heavily in this. But the thing is, you know, right now, can it replace our phones as the dominant technology in our lives? The answer, of course, is no. But think about just a few years down the line, you know, if we can put on a simple pair of glasses that, you know, aren't that intrusive and experience almost an augmented extension to our lives and augmented reality, and we can basically do everything we can on our phones, but with these glasses, then that could be it. That could be the thing that basically is the revolution. And rumor has it that Apple is also planning their own AR glasses like that to apparently be released in a few years. And other companies are obviously looking at that as well. So, you know, just these simple little glasses that can, you know, do everything a phone can and more, that could be that could be the next big thing. Just like smartphones did almost two decades ago, augmented and virtual reality could be the next big thing. The technology that totally changes our daily lives that everyone now has, and it totally changes how everybody's life works. You know, it definitely has the potential to, but obviously, you know, there are probably some people who thought this would happen with tablets, like when the iPad came out or with smartwatches. They've obviously had an effect, you know, on our lives because I'm recording this with a microphone that's connected to a computer and I'm reading, you know, all my notes off of a tablet and I've got my smartwatch on my wrist right now. So obviously they have had an impact on our lives, but probably not to the extent that AR and VR could have. Like for the example I just gave of recording my podcast, like there's probably going to be microphones on the glasses where I can record. There's probably going to be, you know, I can put up my notes and I can put up the recording page or software and I can look at those on my augmented reality with my glasses and I could basically just use my glasses to record the podcast. That's probably way down the line, but like that's the potential that it has. And obviously it's way down the line because the technology needs to improve. Like we have these big headsets, the VR ones right now, not because we want them to be big, but because that's how small we can fit all the, you know, the processor and the chip and the battery and all that stuff in them. So to make these glasses and to make it so that they have a long enough battery life so that we can use them throughout the day and so that they're, you know, powerful enough and they have cameras on them and microphones, we need to make all those components, you know, really, really super, super small. This is true. And we need new technology for that. And that's what companies like Apple are working on right now. That's their biggest issue is getting the things that they actually need to run the device to be super, super small. But once they can do that, I mean, then there you go. Then that'll be exciting. And hopefully it comes within the next few years. So we'll see what they have in store. Don't say I didn't warn you when this gets big. Santa warned you. Because if I was a betting man, I would absolutely bet that AR and potentially VR are dominating our future. Maybe within the next decade. I mean, how about that? Put your facts on it. Xander's facts. Xander's facts. So that's augmented reality and virtual reality. Basically everything you need to know right now and basically what could come. It's pretty exciting. And we've also got some exciting stuff to talk about with our other topic this week on episode 92 of the podcast. So we talked about those facts and now we've got some facts in the sporting world where we are talking about the sport of football. 
also known as soccer on this podcast. Ugh. As we come back to a very popular segment on this podcast, it's time for our latest update on U.S. soccer. Everybody's favorite segment because everybody loves talking about U.S. soccer. It's very important, y'all. World Cup's in 2026. That's three and a half years away. We got to get ready. And there's a lot of news to share, and I'm actually excited about this news. Last time we shared some U.S. soccer news, it was not good, and I was not very happy. But I'm pretty happy with the news that's happened with U.S. soccer that I'm going to recap on this podcast. So let's get into it, because since our last podcast, a couple weeks ago or so, there's been a lot of news regarding U.S. soccer. Two big things. We've got a brand new strategic partnership between confederations, which I'll get more into in a second. We're going to start with personnel changes in U.S. soccer. A couple weeks ago, if you haven't listened to that podcast, go do so. I did a little rant about changes needing to be made in U.S. soccer. There was some drama surrounding the Reinas and the Burhalters. Gio Reina is 20 years old. He's one of the best players for the U.S. men's national team. His father, Claudio, Who? was captain at one point for the U.S. men's national team. Greg Burhalter was the manager for the U.S. men's national team over the last four years, including during the World Cup. Burhalter and Claudio Reyna played with each other on the U.S. men's national team, and Claudio and Greg and their wives have known each other since their college days, like at Carolina, and Claudio was at Virginia. They've known each other for decades, and we've thought that they were all good friends. Turns out that Claudio didn't like it that Greg Berhalter told Gio Reyna before the World Cup, you're not going to see much playing time, which baffles basically anyone who watches U.S. soccer and Gio Reyna because we all know Gio Reyna is great. But that's beside the point at this point, because then apparently Claudio and his wife, Danielle, complained to U.S. soccer about that. And apparently they tried to let the leaders of U.S. soccer know about a little incident that happened between Greg Berhalter and his wife, Rosalind, about 30 years ago, a domestic violence incident, which they've obviously moved past because they are still married to this day, have children, very happy family. But the Reynas, because they weren't happy, decided to basically blackmail the manager of the U.S. men's national team with information from 30 years ago. And so that happens, and I talked about it on the podcast, and I said, the Reynas are whiny, get them out of U.S. soccer. I don't want them anywhere near it. Except, well, Gio, unless he, you know, told his parents to do this. I'm not talking about him, I'm talking about his whiny parents. But I was also talking about the leaders of U.S. soccer. I was talking about the sporting director of U.S. soccer, Ernie Stewart. I was talking about the general manager of U.S. soccer, Ernie McBride, who were the ones who have known the Reynas for a while. And we're talking with them during the World Cup. Those are the ones that the Reinas were complaining to. And this kind of boiled over because U.S. soccer has long been known as basically kind of like this boys club. It has this boys club atmosphere. And on my rant, I kind of said, well, I did say flat out that changes need to be made in U.S. soccer. And apparently... I got my wish. Judge Xander. Because last week it was announced that both U.S. Soccer Sporting Director Ernie Stewart and General Manager Brian McBride have stepped down from their roles in U.S. Soccer. And so while they're 
you know, successors come into place, they are stepping down from U.S. soccer. And I'm sure these are, you know, tremendously, you know, kind and great people, but I'm just talking about, you know, their jobs. They needed to go. This needed to happen. And then I was doing the research for this podcast, and I saw a Yahoo Sports headline that read, quote, U.S. soccer crisis deepens as top team officials quit, unquote. And I said, really? Crisis deepens? I don't see this as a bad thing. I think it was actually a Yahoo Sports article that came from like an European publication or whatever. So Europe, blah, blah, blah. They're going to talk about U.S. soccer however they want, but it's not going to be great. America! But I don't see it as a bad thing. I see it as some needed change that can reset the culture inside U.S. soccer, which, you know, if you know anything about U.S. soccer, you know that that probably needs to happen. So I'd say that's a good thing. But what it does mean is that we're going to probably have to wait some time before we hear about U.S. men's national team hiring a new manager, because they're going to have to hire someone who's leading the charge on hiring a manager now, now that the sporting director and the general manager are gone. So that's something that's going to have to happen. There's obviously been rumors around. U.S. soccer obviously has other people. Cindy Parlo-Cone is still the president of U.S. soccer, so there's still, you know, looking at names and talking about it and doing all that stuff. You know, there was the rumor that they offered Zinedine Zidane and he turned them down. And now there's been other rumors about another big name in Europe, one that has managed many clubs across Europe, but is right now at Roma, Jose Mourinho, the special one. And there's actually credibility to those rumors. Like I made a TikTok about this. In 2012 or 2011 for Sports Illustrated, Grant Wall Remember, he just passed away back in, you know, during the World Cup. Grant Wall wrote for Sports Illustrated, he wrote a piece on Mourinho, and it was basically Mourinho saying that someday I want to come to the U.S., that I want to coach an MLS team or potentially the U.S. national team. It's in the article that Grant wrote. That was a fact. Obviously, that's over 10 years ago, but still, we're talking about a U.S. men's national team that is super young, it's just going to get better, and oh yeah, we're going to have, oh, well, I don't want to spoil what I'm about to talk about next, but we're going to have one big tournament before the World Cup, and we are hosting the World Cup in 2026. Really? So, I mean, I'd have to say that it's probably a pretty attractive job. Is Jose Mourinho going to take it? Uh, I don't know. Are others going to take it? There's been a ton of names mentioned out there, some high-profile names in Europe, some names in MLS. We don't know. And it's probably going to take a while for them to actually hire a guy because, as I said, they're going to have to hire some other guys first. So there's all that. And that's obviously going to develop over into the spring and potentially the summer. And obviously, we'll talk about it on this podcast. But before we get to our other big thing that I almost spoiled, but I didn't for US soccer, Claudia Reina, you remember that name, announced his resignation from the role he had at Austin FC in MLS. He was the sporting director at Austin FC. He resigned from that role, and he did pretty well at that role. Austin was really good last season. So he is now transitioning into a technical advisor role, apparently. So there's all that. There's also the thing that apparently the owner and the manager, Josh Wolf of Austin, are both also close with Greg Berhalter. So there might be that tension there. So. Who knows? But MLS is actually starting up in less than a month from now. And things are going to be a little different with MLS 
this season. I'm not going to go into it now, but I'm actually going to really, you know, kind of like a season preview, talk about everything that's going on with MLS on the podcast scene, because we talk about soccer all the time on this podcast, but we rarely talk about the domestic league. We rarely talk about MLS. And, you know, probably because, you know, it's not the best soccer league in the world, obviously. The most watched soccer league in the United States is Liga Amejis in Mexico. That's a fact! The most watched English league, the most watched, you know, league in the U.S. for English viewers, is the Premier League. It's not MLS. But if we want to continue the growth of soccer in this country, we're going to have to keep talking about MLS. And MLS is a really good league. It's, you know, top 10 at least top 10 league in the world, but we got to talk about it more and document it more and promote it more. And that's what we're going to do because in a couple weeks on this podcast, before MLS season starts, which I believe is at the end of February, we're going to talk about the season ahead for Major League Soccer, including that deal between Apple and Major League Soccer to show all their games on Apple TV that we talked about a while ago on the podcast, but that's starting this year. So we're going to talk all about that later on on a future episode of the Xander's Facts podcast, so always listen to the facts. But the other thing I had to talk about in U.S. soccer was this brand new strategic partnership between CONCACAF and Common Bowl. We've talked about CONCACAF a ton on this podcast, but CONCACAF is the confederation that regulates soccer in Central America, the Caribbean, and North America. And Common Bowl is the same, but for South America. And so it's been rumored for a while, and we've talked about it on this podcast, I believe, during the World Cup we did too, but it's finally official, it was finally announced official, that in 2024, the United States will be hosting Copa America. Wow! The One of the biggest national team tournaments in the world, probably third behind the World Cup and the Euros. You all probably know what the Euros is, because it happens every four years in Europe where it's the national teams facing off to win the European championships. Copa America is that for South America. And it's this big thing, the third most watched national team tournament in the world. And the 2024 edition will expand from its usual 12 teams to 16. And instead of being held in South America, it's going to be held in the United States. It's going to take place in the summer of 2024. So there's 10 South American nations in Comebol. All 10 of those, they always, you know, take part in Copa America, but all 10 of those nations will play in Copa America. And the six other nations will be guest nations from CONCACAF. So there will be six countries from North America, Central America, and the Caribbean. But they have to qualify through the CONCACAF Nations League. So not even the U.S. is automatically qualified, even though they host. But we're talking about the CONCACAF Nations League. It is almost a certainty that they will get in. If they do not get into Copa America, if they're not one of the best six teams in North America, the Caribbean, and Central America, that will be worse than not qualifying for the World Cup in 2018. Because you only had to be one of the best four in the region in 2018. Now you have to be one of the best six. That would be a disaster. Uh-oh. But it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen, y'all. We are going to qualify. We are going to get to Copa America. And that's going to happen. And it's a big coup for the US men's national team because as I said, and as you know, we're hosting the World Cup in 2026 along with Mexico and Canada. 
which means we'll automatically qualify, which means we're not going to play any competitive World Cup qualifying matches before 2026, and neither are Mexico or Canada, because they're also hosting. So Copa America is going to be a great test for this young squad before 2026, and the matches are absolutely going to be competitive no matter who they are playing. Just like in the Euros, those are competitive matches. Copa America is always competitive matches. And we know that from watching past Copa Americas, like 2016. Because you may be scratching your head saying, Xander, this happened before. Copa America was in the U.S. And yeah, it happened in 2016. Copa America was celebrating its 100th anniversary. So it was called Copa America Centenario. And that also expanded to 16 teams. And it was played in the U.S. And CONCACAF, CONMEBOL, and U.S. Soccer, they all got a lot of money from that tournament. Get that dough! So it's really no wonder that CONMEBOL is allowing Copa America, a South American tournament, to be played in the U.S. And you also talk about these countries like Brazil and Argentina. You know, how about going to the U.S. where the World Cup is going to be two years later and getting kind of like a test run for the World Cup. We don't know if it's going to be the same stadiums, but in the same country. I mean, you know, that's obviously something that has to Argentina and Brazil and all the South American nations are probably intrigued by. And, you know, also the money. So there's all that. That's definitely exciting. We're obviously going to talk about that as it gets closer, because that's not happening for another year and a half. But that's not the only thing that CONCACAF and CONMEBOL announced, actually, in that strategic partnership. Because the 2024 CONCACAF W Gold Cup is also expanding. This one to 12 teams. This is the Women's Gold Cup. So you're going to have eight women's national teams from CONCACAF, and you're going to have four guest nations from CONMEBOL. They're going to compete in the summer, maybe of 2024, maybe the spring, because the Olympics are happening in 2024, and women's soccer is big for the Olympics. The big national teams play in that. So it's going to be before then. And then finally, you have an all-new club competition that was announced that will feature two of the best clubs from CONCACAF and two of the best clubs from CONMEBOL. And it'll be like a Final Four-style tournament, so it'll just be like three games in total, and it'll start in 2024. Too many facts. And obviously, that could be, you know, just the beginning. Like, if that works out well, maybe they'll expand it to a ton of teams. Like, it could be, like, we have the CONCACAF Champions League, but it could be something that maybe could be bigger than that. Look a little more like the UEFA Champions League, which is obviously the premier club competition in the world. So all of that is very exciting because it continues to grow the game in the U.S. and in the North American region. And Bowl likes that because they can get more revenue from it. And FIFA loves it because FIFA knows that the U.S. market has the largest potential for growth of soccer in the world. Johnny Infantino. Wonder how he's feeling today. Today I feel disabled. But all of that is very exciting. I've just got two quick things to hit on in the sport of soccer before we go. Last year, you may remember that we talked about the Club World Cup on this podcast. Basically, the World Cup for clubs. But it's a lot smaller than the Club World Cup, and not a lot of teams take it seriously because it's only like seven or eight teams. Well, that was taking place in the Middle East last year. This year, it's taking place in Morocco. And last year, Chelsea, our very own Pooley, claimed the title of World 
champions. Well, on Wednesday, the day this podcast comes out, the next edition of the Club World Cup kicks off. How about that? Real Madrid, because they won the UEFA Champions League, they take the European spot. And Seattle Sounders represent North America. How about that? And Seattle plays their first match on Saturday at noon Eastern. And if they win that match, they're facing the team that plays on Wednesday. If they win that match, they will play in the semifinals next Wednesday at 2 o'clock Eastern against Real Madrid. How about that? So, Club World Cup. Might be interested seeing what's happening. Because, obviously, we're all rooting for Seattle Sounders. Of course, representing USA. True, true. But all the Club World Cup games, if you want to watch them, are going to be on FS2 and Fox Deportes. And finally, final thing I'll talk about on the podcast is the transfer deadline window for European soccer, which was on Tuesday. I had my phone blowing up. There were so many things going on. Chelsea were getting players. Leeds were getting players. Leeds United States got another American. How about that? Not two, not three, not four, not five, not six, not seven. Their manager is the great Jesse Marsh. They have Bedford Messi, Brendan Aronson. They have probably the GOAT by now, Tyler Adams. And now they have another one. They got another one. Weston McKinney has left Juventus on loan to join Tyler Adams, to join Brendan Aronson, to join Jesse Marsh at Leeds United. A third American is now at Leeds United. I mean, that's insane. Like, I'm all in. Leeds are my team right now, and they're like 15th on the table, so they're kind of like at the bottom. You know, season hasn't gone that great, but this will be the thing that turns it around. Weston McKinney, absolutely. I'm all in, because Chelsea... Well, if you didn't know, Christian Pulisic is injured with Chelsea again, so he hasn't played in a while. He won't play for a while. And Chelsea have gone bonkers in the transfer window. They've bought basically everybody. They bought a player, and they've bought players to replace Pulisic. So who knows how long he's going to stay there. And they bought a player, a winger, from Ukraine. His name is Mudrik. And he was just caught on a video saying the N-word. And he's white. Oops! So they have all that to deal with. So Chelsea, you know, that's all that thing. But our team, our American team, Major Leeds Soccer, Leeds United States, that's our guys. We got three Americans on there now. How about that? It's very exciting. So that is our soccer talk for this week's podcast, episode 92. And that's basically all the facts I got for episode 92 of the podcast. Thank you all so much for listening to our two-year anniversary podcast. It had a ton of facts. And remember, if you liked all the facts that we had on this week's edition of the podcast, remember to follow this podcast, download this episode, episode 92, rate and review the podcast, and then go on all our socials. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, at Xander's Facts. That is Xander with a Z. And most importantly, remember to tell all your friends. Spread the facts! Xander's Facts Podcast. Tell all your friends about the podcast, about Xander's Weekend Facts, the newsletter, which comes out every Sunday morning. It is free. Xander's Facts is on YouTube. This episode is going to be on YouTube with a nice background and the links you can scan with the QR codes. Go check that out. Subscribe to the YouTube channel and check out the Xander's Facts link tree, which is linked in this episode's description as well. 
It's got all the Xander's Facts links that you need, including for the Xander's Facts website, which has the Xander's Facts shop. Get your Xander's Facts swag at xandersfacts.com. So that is it for episode 92. Next week is episode 93. And there's a big sporting event coming up in a week and a half. And we're going to talk about on this podcast, the Super Bowl between not the 49ers and the Bengals, as someone on this podcast did predict infamously last week. No, the Chiefs and the Eagles. Those are the two teams that are facing off the Super Bowl. And I've got my preview pod so you can have all the facts you need to know for your Super Bowl watch parties. How did you know this? How did you know this team was going to win? I listened to the Xander's Facts podcast. You're going to want to listen to the podcast next week, episode 93, because I'm going to have all the facts you need to know about football's final game of the season. How about that? That is next week on episode 93. But that is it. That is a wrap on episode 92 of the Zaders Facts podcast. Thank you all so much for listening. And the Zaders Facts podcast rolls on with episode 93 next week. Z-A-N-D-E-R-S-F-A-C-T-S dot com.